Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As soon as God pronounces the judgment on Israel, he immediately comes back and says, but I'm going to bless in the end. I mean, this is the kind of love that God has. And the further we go here, I mean, it's, we're just going to see how intense this is. And the, the analogy that God's using between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, God is the husband in this. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hosea chapters 1 through 7. Now here's Pastor Brian. Here we are in Hosea. Hosea 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. Um, So Hosea is the son of Beeri. We don't really know anything more about him. The name Hosea is the root for the word to deliver or to save. And so if you took and you added to Hosea the Yah, which is the, stands for Yahweh, the Lord, you would have Yehoshua and you would basically have the name of Joshua or the name of Jesus. So the name of the prophet indicates salvation or Deliverance, And notice that he's prophesying during the reigns of these four kings of Judah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So he's prophesying during the same time that Isaiah and Micah and probably Amos was prophesying. But Hosea's ministry is mainly to the northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom, the, uh, remember there, there was the division of the nation that took place after uh, the reign of Solomon under Jeroboam I and Rehoboam. The nation was split in two. And so you had the 10 northern kingdoms that are referred to as Israel or also referred to as Ephraim. We'll see that Ephraim is used frequently in Hosea. And then you have the southern kingdom of Judah. And so although Judah is referenced here in Hosea, the bulk of the message is to the northern kingdom. And so this is before the northern kingdom goes into captivity to Assyria. So if you remember the the history, the northern kingdom falls first to the Assyrians in 721, And then it's not till 586 that the southern kingdom falls to Babylon. So here we are. We are here in kind of really what would have been the golden years of the nation of Israel. Golden years in the sense of it was a time of prosperity. It was a time of 
a lot of national successes and things of that nature. But all the while, the Northern Kingdom was in rebellion to the Lord. So out of, out of all of the kings in the North, you do not have a single king that really walked with the Lord. Every one of them were living in rebellion uh, of one kind or another, where in the Southern Kingdom, you have a handful of righteous kings, but not so in the Northern Kingdom. So this is during the reign of Jeroboam, and this is Jeroboam II. Jeroboam I was the first king over the Northern Kingdom. So the first three chapters are really about the prophet and his experience. And then from chapter four to 14 are basically all a long statement of judgment that's going to come. Now, the thing that we're gonna see here with Hosea is that he was a prophet in that he preached to the Northern Kingdom. He was what you call a writing prophet. He wrote this. Not all prophets wrote things like Elijah, for example, did not write anything. Elisha did not write anything. So he's a voice to the Northern Kingdom. He's writing this prophecy. But what we're gonna see is that his life is an illustration. It's a prophetic illustration as well. And, and sometimes God would use the lives of his servants to speak things. And on, a, on, a, on the positive side of things, you think of somebody like Abraham. So God uses the life of Abraham and a particular act in Abraham's life to speak about his love and about his redemptive plan. So remember when uh, Abraham took Isaac up on to the top of Mount Moriah and there he was uh, to offer up Isaac and uh, he ended up, of course, being told not to do that. But there you have this whole thing being acted out where the father, Abraham, takes his only son, Isaac, that's the specific terminology that's used, his only son whom he loves, and he offers him on a mountain. And so Abraham becomes a picture of God the Father. Isaac becomes a picture of God the Son. So in a similar matter, but in a much different way, Hosea is now going to, he's going to act out through his life experience what is happening between God and his people. And so in verse two, when the word of the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Promiscuous woman, the literal wording here is marry a woman of harlotry. So some translations here read prostitute. That is really actually a good translation of what is being said. Take a woman who is a prostitute and marry her. That's the command that God is giving to Hosea here. Marry a, a promiscuous woman 
and have children with her. And here it is. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore a son. Now, this is obviously a very unique situation. You know, there are a a few times where the prophets were commanded by God to do strange things. Um, Isaiah was to go around for a long period of time with his uh, buttocks um, exposed. (laughs) And and that was the message that God was sending to the people. Just like Isaiah is going around with his buttocks exposed, I'm going to expose the land of Judah. And, you know, so that, that was, that was kind of strange, right? And uh, Ezekiel had to, he had to lay on one side for X amount of days, and then he had to turn over and lay on the other side. And then he, and then he had to make bread, and he was initially told to use dung, poop. <laughs> he was told to use that. He's like, oh, Lord, please, please don't make me use that. And, you know, God relented and in the end let him use, I think it was cow dung or something that he let him use. But, um, and so, you know, these are weird things, but they were ways that God was, was illustrating things. And so this is a weird, unusual command of God. I mean, in one sense, there, I mean, if Hosea fell in love with a prostitute and wanted to marry her, that, I mean, there's nothing that would say that he couldn't do that. He wasn't a priest or anything like that. The priests were forbidden from marrying prostitutes, but the average person, you know, maybe he fell in love with her or something. So that wouldn't necessarily have been wrong for him just to do that. But with God commanding him to do that, that just, it just strikes us as that's bizarre. But again, God is going to use this whole thing, as we can see, as an illustration of what's happening between himself and the nation of Israel. Now, Cheryl reminded me of this today, and it was already a thought that I had in my mind. Many, many years ago, there was someone that she knew that was a Christian, but insisted that they could date non-Christian girls because God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. So when he was kind of called out on like, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're, these girls aren't believers and you're going out with them. He said, hey, I'm just doing what Hosea did, man. <laughs> and uh, so I'm only telling that to just say that is not the way we understand Hosea. <laughs> this is not a permission to go and date unbelievers if you're, uh, if you're a Christian who is single. So now that we cleared that up, Let's move on. <laughs> and so then the Lord said to Hosea, so he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, as we saw, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. So Jehu was a previous king and he had slaughtered people. And so now judgment was going to come. And then verse six says, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo Ruhamah which means not 
loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah and I will save them not by bow, sword, or battle or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. So you see, as I said earlier, the, the judgment of Israel is near. The judgment of Judah is out in the future. So God is still going to work with Judah, try to bring Judah around to repentance and faith. So the time for their judgment hasn't come. And so next he says, after she weaned Laruamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Loami, which means not my people. So you see God sending a message even through the names of these children. Not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. So here's where God is breaking his relationship with Israel because of their, of course, because of their continued rebellion against him. So he says, you are not my people. And then it goes on and says, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called the children of the living God. So this, we've seen this many times in the prophets already, right? We see that God will bring a word of judgment and he will then bring a word of hope. So the judgment for Israel is going to, it's going to be severe, but there's also hope because there will be a time of restoration that will come. So in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. Paul quotes this in Romans chapter 10. And in, in Romans 9 through 11, it, maybe you've read that yourself, or if you haven't read it and you do read it, those chapters have to do with, Paul is explaining why it is that the people of God, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, why it is that they have not believed in Jesus as the Messiah and why it is that God has rejected them. And in Paul's explanation, he uses passages from various prophets, but he uses this passage here uh, from Hosea as well. And he declares that there's coming a day in the future, and this is still yet future, there's coming a day in the very place where they were told that they were not the people of God, in that place, they will then be told again, they are the people of God. And so Israel has been set aside. Israel has been replaced by the church, but not permanently. Israel has been replaced by the church temporarily. And so there's coming a day. So right now, you know, this is hard for us to understand because we love Israel. We of course, we connected to Israel through the Bible. Many of us have gone to Israel and spent much time there, and we have an affection for Israel and the people, and um, we want to see them prosper. We want to see them do well and so forth. But, you know, the truth of the matter is this statement right here is still true of them today. You are not my people. They are today not God's people. They will be called again the children of the living God. 
in the future. But today, you are God's people. We are God's people. The church is God's people today. And so that's something that there's confusion over this in the minds of people. So it's good that we understand that. And so he says, the people of Judah, so again, he's talking about the future, the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Now we saw that the name Loruamah means not love. Loemi means not my people. Jezreel means planted. And so God's, what God's saying here is in that day, there will be uh, the great day of Jezreel. In that day, in the future, it will be the time when God plants them forever in the land, never to be removed again. That's the promise that's being given here to the people. And so the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. So again, the nation has been divided since the time of just after Solomon. And it's still yet in the future when the nation comes back together under the Lord. So now the second chapter, the second chapter is dealing more with the judgments that are going to come upon the nation. So Israel, the punishment and the restoration. So say to your brothers, my people and your sisters, my loved one. So you're not loved, say you're loved. You're not my people, say you're my people. Now, he goes on in verse two and he says, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And so as we go down through this, this is the Lord using the analogy of the husband and wife and speaking about the nation and why it is that he's setting setting them aside or why it is that he's rejecting them or why it is that they're no longer loved because of their, uh, as we've said, their, their continual adultery. So God sees this unfaithfulness on the part of the nation to him. He sees this in the same way that Hosea would see Gomer as she was a, an unfaithful wife. Now, in the first chapter, we see he takes her out of prostitution and marries her. She has children. But as we go on, we're going to see that she commits adultery, even after she was rescued out of the prostitution and you know, brought in and made the wife and had the children. Then she goes back to adultery. Chapter three tells us that. And that is where we have this, this picture of what, of what Israel does. So um, just here in the second chapter, I don't want to read the whole chapter, but I want to highlight a few things. So just look at verse 13 really quick. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the Baals. So Baal was the regional god that was the God of fertility. And so the people of the land worshiped Baal and they believed that the land's productivity, agriculturally speaking, they believed that Baal was responsible for that. And because Baal and Asherah were fertility gods and goddesses, 
there was actually a sexual component that was part of the worship ceremony of Baal. So when the people engaged in Baal worship, which was their way of securing agricultural blessing, they did this through sexual acts, perverse sexual acts. They were performing on behalf of Baal to guarantee that they would have a fruitful harvest. So this is what the nations did, and this is what the Israelites embraced. And so they turned away from trusting God who gave them the land, God who they would have understood if they remembered from their own scripture, God who made the world and everything in it, God who made the trees. And, you know, God was the one who said he's going to give them a land that's flowing with milk and honey and so forth. But they forsook the Lord and they followed after the nations and they worshiped Baal. So that's what he's talking about when he says, I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the Baals. Now, verse 14, therefore, I am now going to allure her and I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Then I will give her back vineyard. So we see again, it's almost like as soon as God pronounces the judgment on Israel, he immediately comes back and says, but I'm going to bless in the end. I mean, this is the kind of love that God has. And the further we go here, I mean, it's, we're just going to see how intense this is. And the, the analogy that God's using between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, God is the husband in this. And what you see is his unfailing love, despite the thanklessness and the infidelity and the disregard for his love, that it doesn't stop him from loving. And so as soon as the the judgment comes out of his mouth, he immediately turns around and says, "Um, I'm going to lead her into the wilderness. I'm going to speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back vineyards. I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The word Achor means trouble. I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from your lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them the beast of the field, the birds of the air, the sky, the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and in compassion. So the promise basically is God would take them back. And so... I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies. They will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. They will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, 
and they will say, you are my God. November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hosea. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.